Welcome to On Mike with Jordan Rich. I love to read. I love to hold a book in my hand. And over the years, I've gotten to know many authors and publishers and editors. But it's a joy to know and work with my guest today, Ken Gloss, the owner of the Brattle Bookshop in Boston. Ken's a past president of the Antiquarian Booksellers Association of America's New England chapter. He also sits in the associate board of the Boston Public Library. And Ken and I actually work together on his podcast called The Brattlecast. Find out more at brattlebookshop.com. Ken appraises books and libraries for Harvard, Boston University, Boston College, Northeastern, Simmons, Suffolk, Tufts, Babson, you name it, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, even the FBI. He lectures on the antiquarian book field to various groups around the country and has appeared many times on the PBS hit series Antiques Roadshow. Let's talk about a culture hotspot in Boston, the Brattle Bookshop. Ken, you and I have such a blast doing your podcast called The Brattlecast. I get to ask you the questions on that one. So now I'm going to ask you some questions on mine, okay? I'd be absolutely happy to do it. I mean, we've done it on radio shows in the past. We and have. The, and, you know, the podcasts are just a lot of fun. So ask and I'll, I'll answer. I want you to talk to the audience a little bit about The Brattle and the history briefly and your dad because – this is a family business. You've taken it over and done remarkably well with it. But he really did. He was a Boston institution. He really was. Well, he he was much more of a character in a way than I am. I mean, I, I sort of do things and it's uh, it's sort of organized. My father was totally disorganized in almost everything he did, but somehow he did it and, and got through to it. Uh, the, the history of the store goes back to the 1820s, but for all practical purposes, it was going out of business in 1949. It was on Brattle Street in Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a little side street in Scully Square called Brattle Street. Uh, my f- mother was and father were getting married. My mother had some money that she saved from uh, working in and being in the service. They bought half interest in the store. Uh, my father built the store in his great love of books, his hard work, his knowledge, and he was a character and a showman. And uh, He knew we, everybody, by the he way. He knew everybody. He always had stories. Um, we had seven different locations. There were a couple of fires. There was the urban renewal of changing Scully Square to Government Center. And he just – he was a character. And, and one of the ways that you can really, really tell, he would – one of the great things that I learned from him uh, – was not just about books and book prices and collecting and running the store. Matter of fact, I think in some ways the running of the store I had to do on my own. <laughs> uh, but the value of just being out there in public and in the PR and the yeah. – uh, and, and one of the things that when people ask me, well, how much of a character was your father? How did he get away with this? The Newspapers are falling off a little, but the publisher of the Boston Globe was Davis Taylor, the Taylor family. And my father would get an interesting story in, and he wouldn't call a friend who was a reporter. He wouldn't call us. He He would call the Globe, and he would call Davis Taylor and essentially say, I've got this great story. And Davis said, well, I'm the publisher. I don't have to do with – and of course, a day or two later, there'd be a reporter down. But you absolutely know that call would never – ever, ever have gone through if Davis Taylor didn't think my father was a character and like him. We've talked on the (laughs) podcast that we've produced for you uh, about your dad and about some of these amazing characters, Mo Berg being one of them, the great Red Sox. Well, he wasn't a great catcher, but let's put it this way, the spy who who had this amazing life. And you and I mean, your dad and he were buddies. Well, he used to come into the store. You never know where he was when he wasn't in the store. But he would come in and he literally 
Princeton scholar, uh, summa cum laude, founding member of the American Linguistic Society, could speak many languages, went to Europe during the war, flown in behind the lines to find out if Germany was inventing the bomb and was supposed to assassinate the scientists, uh, mm. Heisenberg, if they were. But we were sitting down, I remember when I was a teenager, in a restaurant in Boston and him relating all of this. But he would have stacks of books piled up and stories about baseball, which I loved. Uh, and he would just show up every once in a while. And that's the type of person that will and come in. in an era of everything being digital and online, it is so refreshing to know that your store – and it's it's not the only one in the country, but it's it's one of the premier gems. Your store is still flourishing. People love it. They call you from all over the world. They come in from all over the world. And why don't you describe what the store is is like? And people can go to the website, of course, which will give them brattlebookshop.com. But describe the store in your well, words. Well, what it is now, we've been on West Street, which is a few blocks from what, the, what Scully Square was uh, near the Boston Common. And it's sort of the old, what I call Dickensian type of store. There's an outside area that was at one point a store that burnt down in 1980, but it's an empty lot next to our store. Uh, and outside, we have uh, probably two or 3,000 books out there every day that are dollar three and $5, unless it's raining or snowing. We will give to, <laughs> but, but if it's five below zero, they'll be out they'll there. They'll be there, I And know. if it's 105 degrees, they're out there. But rain and snow slows it down. And then in the store, it's a three-story building, and the first two floors are general used secondhand books of almost any type subject that you can imagine. And then the third floor is rare books, autographs, manuscripts, first editions, leather bindings, and so on. And we get customers who come in literally every single day. We have one customer who calls in sick, by the way. When he doesn't. <laughs> when, he's not, when he's not coming in. I love that. Well, what, what it is is we go out to houses Literally, it's an unusual day when we don't have an appointment to go to an estate somewhere in New England, sometimes around the country, uh, large numbers in the greater Boston, New Massachusetts, New England area. But there's almost very, very few days that we're not getting in another truckload of books. Mm -hmm. And of course, those customers who come in every day, they want to see what the new things are, what's just come in. And they're afraid if they don't see it that day. One of the competing collectors or somebody will just pick up that book that they've been looking for forever. So there's a constant flow of mm. new things coming in, some of them very rare, old, back to the 14, 1500s, some of them relatively recent, but maybe signed by presidents, uh, scientists and so on. And then some of them just good used secondhand yeah, books yeah. that – you didn't know you want until you saw it on our dollar So if table. I were to ask you to just mention two or three items that are particularly rare, particularly special in your mind, whether they have the monetary side or not, uh, they just sparkle in your mind. They they come to – what would you bring up? Well, I, you don't have – we don't have enough time. No. We don't. Uh, there, 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 we don't. There's loads of things that have come in. But uh, a few of the things – I also do appraisal work. So – in other words, sometimes a museum needs something appraised because they're loaning it out to another museum and they need insurance or whatever. And, and a couple of these have shown up in insurance. Um, one I got called the Isaac Newton's famous book that started calculus and foundations of mathematics. It's called Principia Mathematica. It was mm -hmm. done in the 1600s. I went to a university in this area. 
they had a first edition of it, which is in and of itself worth a million dollars. But this was Isaac Newton's copy with his <laughs> note, his notes in the copy. And you get to touch and hold that. See any apple juice there? Uh, <laughs> no, no, the no apple juice. Okay. But another time I got called to do an appraisal and I said, I'll do it for free. I'm happy to do it. But I want to see the original. I don't want to see your website. I don't want a copy. I want the original. Four-page handwritten account of Paul Revere's ride by Paul Revere. Interesting. So you're sitting there holding this item that Paul Revere sat down and Mm -hmm. wrote about what happened. And there's an energy there that you feel when you Uh, hold these items. Oh, and, you know, if you're holding something... That's written by Paul Revere, Thomas Jefferson, Albert Einstein, John Kennedy. I do this all day long. I mean, some are better than others. Mm. But when you touch something like that, you know Kennedy touched this. He put his ideas and thoughts. So one of these fans, and it still has a tingle that goes up your spine. It, it's it, it, it's the joy of it. On the Brattlecast podcast, we've talked about a whole list of things. And it's totally fascinating every time you come in. And it's not just books. We should mention that again. It's it's maps, it's journals, it's diaries, it's scrapbooks, right? I yeah. mean, anything that involves the written word or even pictures is liable to find its way into the store at some well, point. Well, I, I love baseball. I mean, I enjoy it. And uh, hopefully the Red Sox keep doing well. But, that's, uh, but uh, I enjoy it. And then the you get things in. I went to a house, and uh, they had a copy of Jackie Robinson's autobiography, which, in and of itself, is a nice book. It's a good, it's well done and written, and interesting story. But then there was an inscription that said, "Thank you very much for letting me live in your house when I first moved to New York." He couldn't rent when he first moved to New oh. York in a decent area because he was black, and he was getting a house together. But that first year, he lived with a family. And um, this was inscribed that way. And I asked the person, gee, what was it like with Jackie Robinson? And then I realized that she was like three or four years old at the time. She said he was really cute. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, her parents had them in. So here you're having, it's not in the same range that maybe, you know, Isaac Newton's first book, but you Are you kidding? To, if you're anybody who knows anything about baseball, if it's something that has to do with Jackie yeah, Robinson, it's huge. Uh, another time I went out to a house, I got called to an estate in uh, Dracut, Mass., which is a little north of Ma- uh, Boston. And I'm in the house and um, looking at books, they were okay. It's a ranch house, uh, probably around World War II era house. And they have one of these Formica kitchen tables. And on the kitchen table is a uh, teletype roll. You go, what's this? It was the first edition, manus- it was the manuscript of On the Road. Jack Kerouac. Jack Kerouac. It was the original. Wow. He wrote it in, um, you know, free-flowing, you know, uh, and this was the actual manuscript. Turned out the person I was talking to was his nephew. So there are treasures abound in everywhere. It's treasures abound, but it's the joy or... This is a story I think I've even mentioned on a pre- previous one of my podcasts, but you never know what's going to make sense. Bought a whole load of cookbooks. There were a bunch of pamphlets, brochures. I said, just look, they're great. Someone will pay a little more. Put them on the dollar table. They're too much work and time to go through. An hour later, someone comes running in. 
I've been looking for this for years and years and just absolutely so thrilled, so beside himself. And, you know, he found it on our dollar table. I look at it. The title is Coconuts and Constipation. <laughs> so, so one of the joys uh. of the Brattle Bookshop and what I try to relate in my podcasts and in the stories and, and is just trying to relate the joy, the fun, the interesting things – and you never know what's coming into the store or the people who are coming in or the yeah, it kind of restores one's faith in the whole idea of the written word in a book you know people are reading their kindles and all these other devices but i've always been a texture guy i need to hold a book in my hands and we were talking earlier about what it's like to hold a manuscript that say kennedy wrote or something yeah. but uh, people do still have a love affair with books don't uh, they they still have a love affair with books and books work when the power goes out <laughs> yes. they they work and yes and and many times it's actually easier to read the book and one of the things about our shop and you were saying earlier that there aren't that many left is uh, that one of the main things that keeps us in business, we own the property. We bought it when it wasn't a nice area. Now it's a booming area of downtown Boston. And the it's a business. And the business, running the business, the having everything go well is the behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see. Right. But it's a joyful business. It's fun. No question. So if people want to investigate what they have in their attic and need your help, they can just reach out to you? They can just reach out to us. They can listen to your podcast, my podcast, <laughs> uh, and get some of the get an idea of some of the stories. But yeah, absolutely. When you deal with somebody in whatever their field is, if you if they love what they do and you ask them a question, it's usually not a problem getting an answer. It's getting them to stop answering. <laughs> so I, yeah. we love it when yeah. people reach out. Yeah. And we also, over the years, have become very, very good at letting people down slowly and easily. Right. Which, because <laughs> not everyone's favorite treasure is a real treasure on the financial uh, sense, and, in the and, financial sense. But it has sentimental value, and that's and, important too. And sentimental value. and But every once in a while, somebody you know, is really hoping they need the money. And we, we know how to let that down uh, well, too. And one more thing, besides the fact that you're online at uh, your website, which, of course, is brattlebookshop.com, it really is a place that people visit when they come to the city. It's become uh, a Yelp destination for many people, hasn't it? Well, you know, I do the Antiques Roadshow on PBS, and I have traveled all over the country. In a lot of cities, if you're in the main downtown, or especially if you're in the suburbs, they're all the same. The stores are the same. Everything's the same. If you didn't know where you were, you wouldn't know where you were. And I think places like we have, the Brattle Bookshop, or some of the other used bookstores or antique dealers or the small, little, tiny businesses yeah, yeah that are in cities and areas, that's what makes them unique and fun. And Boston, of course, with all the history that goes with it, the Freedom Trail. But I think we're one of those places that people can come to and they're not going to see at home and where they are. It's definitely not like your chain bookstore. There's no question about it. It <laughs> is very, very special. And hey, I want to thank you for stopping by my podcast. You and I do the Brattlecast together. I'm honored to do that. But thanks for coming in and doing well, this. Well, I can't say more about how well the Brattlecast goes because of how well it's done. And that I owe a lot to you. Well, thank you. He's Ken Gloss. 
the proprietor of the Brattle Bookstore, which is one of the great stores in uh, the country, if you ask me. And the website is brattlebookshop.com, so do check it out. Ken, thank you. Thank you very much, and I love working with you. This is Jordan thanking you for listening to On Mike with Jordan Rich, available on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and, of course, Android. Appreciate you subscribing, downloading, rating, and reviewing this podcast if you get a chance. On Mike is produced at Chark Productions in Boston. Until next time, be well so you can do good.